Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on BFC Live, we connect with Vanessa Barros. She is with the Can Delta team. They are official regulatory advisory. We want to connect with her about lots and batch numbers and how the naming conventions can really help producers and manufacturers of cannabis in Canada. Vanessa, we're going to do this on a Tuesday, usually do it on a Monday, but it's good to see you uh, after this Thanksgiving long weekend. You as well. Um, Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, yeah, we made turkey. So there's that. Um, so I'm just exhausted. I still have that. What is it? Tryptophan? You guys are the scientists. Tryptophan. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to nap and then eat turkey sandwiches and then nap again uh, today. Um, uh, it, you and I were chatting a minute before we came on. Um, one of the things that obviously separates the legal market from the illicit market, but also the way sort of Canada's approach is this idea that like regulators will know where all the cannabis is like all the time, all the time, uh, from like the second it goes to the ground or even before to like uh, to when it reaches shelves. Am I correct in saying that that is cannabis traceability or am I like way off? No, that's correct. That's what we call in the industry. Okay. Your end of the industry. I just, I just ask you what to call it and you tell me. Um, okay. talk, give, me give me like the picture of like how that actually works and what, what it is in Canada. Yeah, sure. So we'll start from the beginning. Um, so cannabis traceability you know, in the cannabis industry, we all have one shared goal, um, whether that's Health Canada here in, in Canada, obviously, um, the license holders or the consumers. Uh, we want a safe, high quality and reliable product. So that's where the traceability portion will come in. So traceability is the capability of tracing an item. However, it's more than that. It also includes the, the tracking, the auditing and the management of the cannabis plants and now cannabis products. Um, so license holders should be able to answer where their seeds are, are coming from, um, what the plant strains are, when the plants are harvested, and then further into the processing, what types of products are being produced and when. So if a cannabis product isn't safe, obviously the reputation of the entire industry tends to suffer. And, and in, in our industry right now, earning public trust is a step towards favorable government regulations. And we wanna create an industry where the overall population, so those who are still on the fence about cannabis, um, agree with its safety. So with proper procedures in place, holders can ensure that their processes are safe. In addition, they can ensure that the products are free from factors um, that could pose compliance and health risks. So a recall occurs when a product is deemed defective and it's removed from the market because of the potential dangers. Recalls can result in, in the entire batch or lot, which we'll get into, of a product being removed from the production and or store shelves in most circumstances. Having proper cannabis traceability pr procedures in place to minimize those effects uh, of the recalls can actually save you from brand damage overall. Uh, so this can be achieved by using a good record keeping um, and proper operational process. And then to begin that portion, you wanna have a proper process or system in place to know the difference between the batches the lots, um, and then how they're further separated into products. 
can you tell us badge versus lot? They sound like they should yeah. be synonymous, but I know that they, I know that they're not. So tell me why they're not. Yeah, so there's no regulations um, or standards that really define each. So what I'm going to explain today is probably a good rule of thumb, but a batch is the beginning phase. So it's when the plants uh, from a single grow in the same room are growing in the same condition, same environment. Um, so with plants, there won't be much differentiation since they tend to grow within the same room unless they're in separate grow rooms, um, but they'll have the same light temperature and overall conditions. That's a batch. Once harvested, it will then enter the processing phase. So it's gonna go to hang dry, different drying rooms. It could be frozen, it could be further processed. And that's when we're gonna switch into lots. Okay, so we wanna think of lots as post-harvest. So dried cannabis, which bulk, bulk cannabis, work in progress, or what we call whips, uh, finished goods such as extracts, vape cartridges, edibles, topicals, et cetera. So many of these listeners uh, will know the process of harvesting cannabis. For, for those who, who don't, I'll just do it quickly. So once we harvest the cannabis, it, it typically goes into bucketing, trimming, uh, and then further drying, which then it becomes bulk cannabis. Now, if you were to package the bulk cannabis into immediate containers in various amounts, um, that's an extra step, step of processing. Or you can go even further and you can get into CO2 extraction, which will give you crude oil, winterization to give you winterized oil, decarboxylation. Um, de decarb or decarboxylation can happen really at, at various steps, but for purpose sake, we'll just say um, after winterized oil, and then further into distillation, so you'll get a, a distillate. Now it can then go even further as much as our, you know, as soon as 2.0 hit, we saw a lot of our producers uh, entering the finished product game. So then you're seeing extracts, edibles, and topicals entering the market as well. So a lot name change will have to occur when you change product types. So if you go from a distillate further into a process of a finished good, that name convention will have to mimic that change. So we'll get into how to address the naming convention. Um, like I said, there's, there's multiple ways license holders can, can approach this, but this is a good rule of thumb for those license holders who are just getting into the industry, maybe some micros, not sure of how to how to create those naming conventions. So uh, within the lots, you have to differentiate, like I mentioned, the different products. So a good rule of thumb would be to include the following, but it's definitely not limited. Um, you can get a little bit more granular with it. The year the product's produced, the strain or product code, depending on so the strain, obviously, if it's going to be um, dried flour, and then product code if you're, you're getting into some of the various products. An indicator. Now this indicator is another layer of counting and, and I'll explain a little bit more. That's the A shown on the slide. Um, it's not necessary. It's just an extra layer of counting. And then lastly, the, the number of the particular strain or product harvested produced as it pertains to that year. So for instance, 
just as an example, if I was producing dust baba strain, I could do lot 21 as the year that it was produced. Uh, DB is my indicator, so for dust baba. Use A as my indicator, O1 as my first batch of the year. Um, but that numbering scheme can change. I mean, it, it's, it's ultimately dependent on how many lots you're, you're producing in that, that time frame. So now if we were to process dried cannabis, and let's say you took 50% of that to be, 50% um, to be packaged into immediate containers, and then the remaining 50% um, was then further into distillate, you would have to create a new lot code for that distilled product. And that's what I have shown here. So I use DIS as my identifier code, and I've used my indicator as A, and then just, just as an example, I said it was the 11th batch, or 11 lot, pardon me. So that's what you have on the screen. Now, if you were to use the lot of distillate, further process it uh, to create an MCT oil product, you would add a new code to that decide, to decide for the new lot of that MCT oil. And that's what's shown at the bottom. So we just did dash MCT as an indication. Now, I do, I do know we're talking to a lot of uh, you know, processors. So um, for those who are producing edibles, for instance, if you're purchasing extract for the purpose of making edibles, you would start your identifier as the brand or type of edible that you're producing. You know, making cookies is not considered a batch, even though in baking, we tend to refer to it as a batch. Right. Um, so yeah, so once again, a batch will only refer to pre-harvest or the cultivation portion. Okay, so as I kind of alluded to, there's, there's no set regulations in how to identify these products or your products, um, but this is a good practice to follow. The possibilities are, are absolutely endless on how to create a naming convention that is descriptive enough, but at the end of the day, you want to ensure that the naming convention gives you enough information about the product and that you're unable to mix it up with another product you're producing. The naming convention is used for, um, you know, the QA for release, used for production, used for sales, for forecasting, and for inventory. So it needs to be consistent across all the departments within your facility, and it needs to be as detailed as possible. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean to sound like an idiot, but like... I assume many people who are in the production part of this know this, but like, is this something that you guys also can help to help them think about? Because it could be one thing as you enter the business, but as you, you guys have the experience of like, okay, well, that's the, the, the batch and lot number. And now we need to go to testing to then come back. Like all those things have to work together. Um, exactly. Both for good operations and good compliance. And then heaven forbid, you have to actually trace all those things back to where they came from those that naming convention will help you do that i'm not is that right that's correct yeah ken delta will help with that operational support um we have seen in, in many recall investigations that's typically where this comes to the forefront 
um, is when you'll start noticing a lot of errors done in, in the lot naming convention is when a recall is done, right? Because you have to now trace it all the way back. So the easier and more detailed the naming convention is, that will assist you if, if there is a need for uh, a traceability tracking back to um, a batch or a lot that you may have. So we can assist with that. Um, it ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to be what's best for, for your operations. Um, but as mentioned, it, it's better to be as detailed as possible. You know, everyone, you know, Health Canada here in Canada, they, they make sure that all license holders have some sort of record keeping, whether that's an ERP software uh, or paper-based. The record keeping is important. Um, but those ERP softwares don't tend to create lot namings as default. Um, so it is going to be important for you to work through your operational and process flow with your team to, to determine the best um, naming convention for, for your operation. Yeah. See, it just got really complicated. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I, I know you know this because you do this all the time, but, but yeah. you know, what I see is, I mean, obviously we know the producers and all that, and then you get the, you get, you buy it on the store shelves, right? Or you're a patient, you get it. But yeah. like when I buy that, is there, is all the information that you just said on, on that package or do, will just someone know about it based on the code? No, like um, by, by packaging regulations, you need to have that lock code on the back. So if you flip your immediate container, if you flip your edible package, um, you'll see that lock code. It's, sometimes it's typically under a stacked barcode or beside it, but it will be on that back back panel. I'm not looking nearly as close enough then. Now I just found something to do next time. Good. I, uh, <laughs> I do. No, but it is, it is it, it, and it is, I mean, let me ask you a question. When folks enter the space and you're working with them, they know that they're mm -hmm. about to be able to do this, but how does it mirror like what other industries do? Like, how does it, how does this translate to like what pharma does or like, I don't even know, like fruits and vegetables. Like, is are there similar are there similar things in those industries? Um, I, I would assume so. Um, I'm not too certain about pharma, but with food, you you do see that it's not going to be as detailed right. per se, um, just because you're dealing with THC levels. Um, but but yeah, in food, there are still batch recording, uh, recording and lot recording as well. Yeah, and then it's the then the I mean it's it's you know compliance and good operations and all those things, and then leading up to the inevitable not the inevitable but the thing you hope that never happens is being able to trace it all back to um, to the lot the, to the to the lot and to the sorry I'm going to screw it up the lot and the batch so you can actually you may not have to take exactly. all your things off the shelves God forbid for a recall like you exactly and that's and that's the thing so most licensed producers or license holders who have all all licenses, so cultivation, processing, and sales, um, that's going to be crucial for them. It's going to be deciphering, you know, what's, what's the batch, what's the lot, and then what lot came from what batch. So keeping all of that recorded is going to be important. Yeah. Vanessa, this was eye-opening. See, I thought we were just going to ease <laughs> into Tuesday after a long weekend, but we really jumped right nope. into it. I really appreciate it because, um, you know, I think the complexity is, is is obviously is is significant, but also there are experts and folks to help that have seen it all before. Yeah, come to us if you need any help. Yeah, that's well, I do. That's why I come to you every other week because I need help understanding <laughs> what's know. going on. <laughs> but that's I I really appreciate the time. Thank you for folks out there listening and watching. Obviously, reach out to Ken Delta if you have questions. Uh, but it's good to connect with you, um, and we'll see you down the road.
Thanks much, Jay. That was Vanessa Barros of Can Delta. If you like this program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of our ongoing partners, including Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Works, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Gallagher, Headset, and Torque Mains. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. <laughs>